Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Well, hey there, it's Zach, all the way from Chesapeake, Virginia. Creative Control happens to be my favorite podcast. I value Visha's insight and his ability to balance humor with in-depth conversation while occasionally dipping into serious topics. Regardless of whether I've heard of the guest or not, or however long Visha's known them, you really do get the feeling that the two of them have known each other for a long time, and I walk away from every episode feeling like I gained something. I think that's testament to how good of a journalist and conversationalist Visha is. He has a real skill of opening people up. I also enjoy the spicy and lighthearted ribbing Beach does with his guests from time to time. Oh, and while I have you, did you know that for just $6, you can subscribe to the Creative Control Patreon and get access to all kinds of bonus content? And for $10, Beach will mail you one of his t-shirts. And hey, that Peaches shirt is pretty cool. Anyway, enjoy the episode and do doodle do Oh, wait. Kelly Deal and Josephine Wiggs are each gifted and influential musicians currently based in the United States of America. Over the past three decades, they've played together in a band called The Breeders, which has featured different members at times, but has always been led by Kelly's sister, the great songwriter and musician Kim Deal. In the early 1990s, and again since 2012, The Breeders primarily consisted of Kim and Kelly Deal, on guitars and vocals, Wiggs on bass and vocals, and Jim McPherson on drums. 
It was this core configuration of multi-instrumentalists who collaborated on 1993's Last Splash, the landmark second album by the Breeders, which includes the timeless pop single Cannonball and made them one of the most beloved and successful underground rock bands of all time. On September 22, 2023, 4AD released Last Splash, 30th Anniversary Original Analog Edition, and with the Breeders on the Road headlining their own shows and scheduled to open for the likes of Foo Fighters and later Olivia Rodrigo, it was a good time to connect with Kelly and Josephine to talk about things like uh, hanging out in Dayton, Ohio, local rabbits and proto-martyr, photo curation and whether or not social media chronicling is something they wish they could have done in the 1990s, how Josephine is exotic and first came to know and work with Kim and Kelly Deal, Kim's working methods, how songs for Last Splash first began to take shape, and the nature of the band's collaboration on them. Perspectives on the album blasting off in the midst of an explosion of interest in indie rock, how Kelly came to play a sewing machine on a Breeders song, treats on this uh, anniversary edition of Last Splash, including Jay Maskus singing lead on a classic single, things that are also in Canada, tour dates, writing together again, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners just like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creativecontrol. That is the primary source of revenue for all the work that goes into this podcast, so if you have the means and the time, please visit our Patreon and support Creative Control today. Thank you so much. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with bricks and mortar locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta. And very friendly people will help you if you go into those shops. But you can also order stuff on your own online at their website. Just visit blackbird.ca for more information. If you want, you can order the new Breeders 30th Anniversary Original Analog Edition on LP. And if they've got it, they can access it. They'll send it right to your house. It's just that simple. Support local record stores like uh, Blackbird. Again, more information at blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from independent businesses like Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 806 of Creative Control, featuring two of my musical heroes, Kelly Deal and Josephine Wiggs from The Breeders, with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Josephine. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Nice. Where in the world are you today? I'm in South Park, Dayton, Ohio. Nice. How long have you been in South Park, Dayton, Ohio? Exactly two months. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Not a place of residence per se. No, I don't live here. I live on um, Cape Cod. Oh, nice. But I've been here since uh, the middle of July to rehearse because we had some shows with the Foo Fighters up in the northwest of the country. Hmm. So we did those shows. And then when we got back from that, we immediately launched into rehearsing 
our last splash performance right to prepare for the shows where we're playing last splash from the first song to the last song very nice that's great i i I can't wait to talk more about that Uh, quickly how were your shows with the foo fighters if i might ask they were they were great weren't they kelly they were yeah nice excellent that's great i'm glad you guys are out on the road and Playing with those guys. I know you have a long history with uh, certainly Dave Grohl, so that's fun. Also on the call, uh, Kelly Deal. Kelly, you there? Yes. Hi, Vish. How are you? I'm very well. It's very Good. nice to uh, meet you again. Uh, where in the world are you? I'm in Dayton, Ohio. I actually oh. live here. <laughs> I'm at a different yes. residence. Yeah. <laughs> Is Josephine not staying with any uh, of the deals or anything like that? Got her own place? She's got her own place. We yeah. need our alone time. That's right. That's right. That's it. It's very nice to speak with you, Kelly. Uh, you've been mentioned on the show uh, a few times. Uh, frequent guest, frequent guest on the show, Joe Casey from Proto Martyr. <gasps> I heart him so much. Yeah. I heart that band. Yeah, I love him. Now you are sort of an auxiliary member at this point of Proto Martyr. Is that fair? I'm an I'm a member. They told me. Oh, I'm officially a member. That's and excellent. I can do what I want. <laughs> they are the best band i love talking to joe and i was also thinking of thinking kelly the the first time you and i were in a room together i think was in kitchener ontario in the mid 90s you were playing with uh, the local rabbits oh yes do you remember them yes i do they were great guys yeah, I thought the, I thought they were great guys. Still dear friends of mine. Uh, they're a little. I think I found out. You know, when you're a kid and you see someone on stage, you assume they're at least ten years older than you. And then yeah. as you get older and your friends, you're like, wait a minute, you're like six months older than me. How come you were on stage <laughs> yes. and I was in the audience? <laughs> yes. It makes no sense. But they're so talented, and I have yeah. fond memories of that show. So that's great. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted Good. to mention. I like to mention local rabbits whenever I can. Uh, <laughs> Good for you. You got to support them. <laughs> it's very nice to uh, have you both on the show. I want to begin by saying congratulations. I believe, if I have my facts correct, 30 years since Last yeah. Splash came out. That is that is remarkable stuff. And I can't wait to talk about uh, uh, that experience of making the record if we can. I know. Sorry, Josephine, do you find memory jogging to be uh, troubling when someone's <sighs> like, let's talk about a thing that you did 30 years ago? Is that is that fun? Is it difficult? Uh, it's only difficult because uh, a lot of detail has been lost to the mists of time, <laughs> and I I feel sad about that. Yeah, yeah. But but things that I can remember, I don't mind talking about. I mean, I don't mind talking about things I can't remember as well. Frankly, <laughs> I'll just make I'll just make something up. You know, I was just thinking about this recently, for and I don't know why. But maybe because we just played some shows with a band called Horse Girl, Mm -hmm. which they are great and great band, lovely people. But they're like 20 something. And I I, somehow I kind of and I didn't, you know, how you just start thinking what it's not like I was answering questions. I just started meandering through my mind and thinking, you know, they will forget these times because of all of the social media of the, yeah. the camera, they have every camera, every photo. Like there are so many times you have the band photo at the end of the evening. That all happens with your phone now. Back then it was a Polaroid or a camera that one person has. And yeah, I don't know where true. I don't have it, you know, with, and these are with huge bands. And I would love to have had, yeah. you know, uh, texts from emails from that time, social media, 
all these photos, they will not have this problem of knowing where they were 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> they will know That's a, unless they've lost yeah. their devices. Yeah, it's a fair point. Do you think there's yeah. a downside to all the constant chronicling, though? Because when we were younger, all of us, all three of us, let's face it, at one point yeah. we were younger. And when we were younger, <laughs> you'd get a camera and it would say the film would say 24 photos, 36 photos if you shelled out for a bit more. And that was it. So we were selective. Yeah. We were yeah. selective. And you would look at them. You would look at them after you developed them from the grocery store or the photo mat. Now, I don't know. Do people, do you find, do either of you? I'll go to Josephine first. You've got the phone. You've got the constant chronicling. Do you ponder it now or do you just like, ah, yeah, I'll look at I it later? I actually do. do? I'm, yeah. I'm pretty good at curating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and only taking photographs that are worth taking, if you know what I mean. Yes. So yeah, I'm pretty good at that. I don't take a lot of random pictures. I wonder if that emanates from the fact that you do come from a time when it was more limited. Maybe you're just yeah, maybe yeah, condition. Kelly, Kelly, what do you yeah. think? That has a lot to do with Josephine's aesthetic as well, though. Like most of the posts and things that we do for social media, she curates those, and they're always yeah. interesting or funny. Or yesterday we were doing something, and she was oh. oh isn't this an interesting picture or photo? I, and she, let me get my camera. So she gets her camera and I'm looking around like I would, and I thought to myself, God, I would have never clocked this as being interesting, but she's absolutely right. It's a really interesting photo. And it's something yeah. that she will use, you know, for, for whatever, for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. She just has a really good eye for that. I do not. And I am really glad yeah. that we did not have 24 access to a camera or yeah. anything like that. I was so wasted a lot of the time and I think, mm. you know, I would have been somebody with a sex tape or something. You know what I mean? Like being <laughs> completely unaware, you know, and with a random hookup with some guy. What's in your, what's that light? What? You know? <laughs> My God. So I'm glad there was not any of that. Jesus. Okay, well, I, I, I'm glad you know that about yourself, I guess. Uh, I don't know what else yeah. to say. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, you know, that's am interesting. Am I too sherry in I feel like I'm too sherry in interviews now, but maybe I'm just uh, no, older Kelly, now and I just don't care. Kelly, as, yeah. as Gabby Glazer used to say, you got to live once. Yeah. You, you, may never, you may never have the chance to tell this story again. Yeah. There you go. And it's a good story. Gabby from Luscious Jackson. That's oh, right. Right. Yeah. There you go. So having seen you live, Kelly, and seen mm -hmm. interviews, I feel like you've always been candid i have yeah 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 so i yeah. don't think this is new necessarily new. Okay. i want I, I i appreciate um this long history you two have together and before we get into last splash i thought we should maybe just for people who may not know get into the origin story of this configuration josephine uh i, I have a sense of how kelly and kim know each other let's just put it <laughs> that way there's a vague sense that they might have uh, had the same upbringing, maybe. But uh, Josephine, do you remember how you kind of entered this orbit exactly? I remember precisely how it happened. I was playing in a band in the UK called The Perfect Disaster. And we had, I don't know, two or three albums out. We toured a lot. We toured with Jesus and Mary Chain and Spaceman 3. And we were in 1989, I'm sorry to say, or it might have been 88, actually, now I think about it. We were invited to support the Pixies. And so that's how I met Kim, backstage in London, 
because we were doing shows with the Pixies. And then I met her again when I, I was back, I was kind of going back and forth between Brighton and Frankfurt at that time. And uh, when I was in Frankfurt, the friend that I was staying with said, hey, the Pixies are playing. It's a legendary club called, what is it called? The Rats Keller, I think, the Rats Keller, just outside Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. And of course, I was like, well, I know know how to get in for free. Let's go along in the afternoon when when the band is sound checking. And so I went along there and I recognised someone from the crew and got a message back to Kim and she put us on the guest list. And then we hung out after the show and then, I don't know, six months later or something, I got a message from 4AD saying Kim wanted to know if I would play bass on the album that Kim and Tanya were conspiring to make. So that that's how it, it came about. So then we got together and made the album Pod. Right. So that, for those who don't know, that's Tanya Donnelly, who went on to play in, uh, she was in Throwing Muses, and she went on to play yeah. in... Uh, Belly, right? So that's who that was. So that was the original configuration. Uh, what did you make of the, uh, sorry. And just to be clear, uh, Kim Deal, not living in England, not living in Europe, needs a bass player, calls over the pond, can't find one, can't find one in the United States. Is that what happened? No, 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 no. I don't think it was like that. <laughs> it wasn't that she couldn't find one. It's that she had seen me. Yeah. She, she, uh, in various, she said she thought that I was exotic. 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 She thought I was exotic. And mm. so, so she sent a message to 4AD to track me down on the telephone. Rotary phone. <laughs> yeah. Dialing, dialing my numbers yeah. on yeah. a rotary telephone. Right. And that's how it happened. So if you, I know, you know, your memories come and go, as you say, uh, things get foggy. If you look back on your time uh, at that time, that era for you, were you exotic? Do you feel like you were an exotic person? Yes. Hmm. <laughs> what 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 made you ex- I agree. What, what made you exotic, would you say? Well, from a quite early age wore dark eye makeup and red red lipstick. Right. And also at that period of time I was making all my own clothes. So I had like six pairs of velvet pants in all different colors and shirts made out of curtain material. And I had like a brocade waistcoat that I used to wear. And, Hmm. you know, I think I was more exotic then than I am now, frankly. (laughs) You seem exotic to me, if I might say. From Canada, really? like this. Uh, well, just a little bit, a little bit. Mm. No, I've always admi- this is this is on a non-exotic day <laughs> as well. I'm I'm off duty as far as exoticism is concerned, right right now. Just so- I, I I have to interject here too at this point that like there obviously I mean I love that Josephine is talking about her look, mm-hmm. but obviously Kim has seen her play bass. Yes, 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 of course. You know, yes. so there must have been something about, and Kim was playing bass at the time and was a guitarist. You know, originally she's a guitarist. So there must have been, Kim doesn't play, she won't just say, oh, I'll take that one. She looks interesting. Right, right, right. There was something about her playing 
that she liked as well. Oh, I I believe believe we're speaking in a spirit of facetiousness. I I don't think it was just that you looked like a punk. And that's all that Kim was interested in. You get no, like a goth, <laughs> like yeah, a goth, more, more goth than punk. And, and, yeah. and is it reductive to suggest Josephine like this is a an era that's like sort of post Vivian Westwood, post whatever? I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm not from there, but post that whole area of London, is that a fair way of what might have influenced you to look uh, the way you look? Yeah, for sure. Susie yeah. and the Banshees, The Cure, Joy Division, yeah, all of all of the above. Right. Okay. I appreciate that uh, background. Uh, Kelly, um, so yeah. we know uh, now that Josephine uh, had, had the look, had the chops. My understanding is when you entered this sphere, this realm, you were a novice guitar player? Is that a fair way of saying it? I think novice is being generous. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, I. My original instrument is actually drums. I played drums oh. and took private lessons for years. And Kim and I had our duo that we had where we sang. I played a little bass. I, I have a bass. The, the first bass that Kim used in the Pixies was my bass. Oh. I re, yeah, we went, we just played the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and there's my Aria Pro 2 up there in the, in the rock display that they have for the breeders. There's my Aria Pro. Oh, or no, wow. it's in the, it's the Pixies. Right. Well, it's in the Pixies display. Hmm. Yeah. It's actually in the breeder's display, and I'm oh, is it? meaning to write a letter to the editor, oh, if you know what yeah. I mean. I knew I saw it. It shouldn't really be there. Shouldn't no, be it shouldn't. In the breeder's display. Is there a, is there a Pixies display? Maybe I think there, there was at one time. I don't know if there oh. is now. They, Maybe they, they popped they, it over they, ro- yeah. they rotate them, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. anyway, there it is. And that's, that's always, it's very exciting for me. That is so, really yeah. yeah. So I do think that. Um, when she told Josephine that she had a guitar player to replace Tanya Donnelly, that Kim felt confident in my abilities to, to learn and to play and to understand music and, you know, get it and stuff like that. And also, I think she probably knew that it would be kind of shocking or it would be interesting. That piece of information would be interesting to Josephine. So she, she did tell Josephine that I didn't actually play guitar <laughs> and, but that's yeah. fine she's really musical she'll pick it up i see josephine what did you make of that information at the time do you remember i i think i was slightly stunned hmm. it, the phone it, it went like this she dialed me up on the rotary phone <laughs> and then she said i i found someone to play guitar kelly's going to play guitar she doesn't actually know how to play <laughs> And I think there was a prolonged silence after that. But I I trusted that she knew what she was doing, hmm. uh, which isn't always, it's not always the case. You know, <laughs> you know, Kelly mentioned Kelly mentioned she had private drum lessons. Do you have like a music education background yourself, there, Josephine? Do you study the bass? I was I I was class, a classically trained cellist. Oh my lord! I I okay. studied the cello. From age six to age sixteen, so the cello, the cello was my first instrument, which is why I was drawn to playing the bass guitar. Of course, because mm. it's only four strings, and the, they're the best strings. Yeah, they really are. They are. They are yeah. the best strings. Yeah, yeah. But you know, uh, we four. have cello. Josephine plays cello on several of our breeder songs throughout the years. Yeah, right. I don't know if you sometimes you can't hear that. 
There's an American saying, uh, Josephine, there's always room for cello. Have you ever heard that? I haven't. I, I, may, I haven't either. No, that's think it's, true. It's jello. There's always room for jello. It was a slogan. Oh. I'm sorry. I, I, oh, I, I, oh, I thought it was true. <laughs> Is I that just really had a, a fact slogan? check. Someone just fact checked me in my ear. I'm sorry. I was making a joke. My oh, point was going to be. I've though, never heard that. So, so <laughs> it's an old slogan. We can't keep track of all of them. No, that's, that's wonderful. But I, I can appreciate coming from your background. You might be like a total. Novice is gonna, I'm gonna start playing with a total novice. Like, I know how to play my instrument, so I could see why you might be taken a little bit aback. Taken a little bit aback. But on the other hand, you know, anyone can play the guitar, can't they? Yeah, that's true. They can. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically in the street, and and the person will be able to play the guitar. (laughs) It was lead guitar that I was playing. I know. That Not is, everybody can yes, play lead guitar. guitar. You can't just start playing. No, yeah. that's true. But lead that guitar, absolutely anybody that's can true. play it. And I encourage people that can't play guitar to pick it up and join a band and play lead because that's the best lead guitar you're going to hear. Yeah, I, I, I would yeah. agree. I yeah. uh, play drums myself, uh, Kelly, and yeah. so nice. I'm a fan of the instrument. Uh, I know the Breeders also had some early uh, musical thrones in the drummer's seat. Uh, did you ever contemplate playing drums with the breeders? No, not with breeders. No. If no. I had a choice, I would play lead guitar. Now. Okay. Uh, by the way, I'm not, this is not meant to say, this is not an intervention. She did ask me <laughs> what I wanted to play. She did ask what I wanted to play. And yeah. I said, lead guitar. Right. Yeah. And so, so you, maybe I, maybe I would have had a choice. I don't know. Maybe you know, we don't know. Kim's not here. I, I, we will, we'll find out later. Maybe you can ask her, but my point is, uh, uh, you joined uh, Kelly uh, after Pod or during? When did you actually join the the, the band? After Pod, yeah. before Safari. Right. All right. So we we've got it, and and you you met Josephine. We've talked about Kim's impressions of Josephine. What did you make of Josephine when you met her, uh, Kelly? Um, I thought also she was very exotic. She was English. She did English things. She made tea. She would stay at at um, Kim's house. And I think, it, was I living there at that time too, Joe? Yeah, you were. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think it was just you and I, because she was doing a lot. She was still in the Pixies when we first met. Huh. And yeah. she was doing a lot of um, traveling with the Pixies. So, um, and then she would make beans on toast. All very English things, very exotic, yeah. odd things. Mm, but um, delicious. <laughs> you, you know what you're having for tea today, right? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, but I thought she was very nice and she was quieter hmm. than, than people that I knew, but not like mad quiet, just quieter, just a quieter person. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate this. You obviously you've gotten along for many, many years. Kinship here. That's great. So let's, let's get into the last splash, this monumental record in terms of, uh, where it, where it began. I believe, uh, Kim would have gotten things going or I guess where I'm coming from is how collaborative, uh, was this process in making this record from the jump? Uh, I know there's some studio experimentation and, uh, I, I can't wait to talk about the sewing machine, which is a story either I forgot about or I never knew. So I can't wait to ask Kelly about that. Uh, Josephine, how did the songwriting begin um, for this batch of songs? Do you have any recollection? I think we got together in the summer of 92, wasn't it, Kelly? I think so. I flew from the UK to Dayton and we basically started rehearsing every day. We had a kind of daily rehearsal schedule and we were working on, it was mainly 
riffs that Kim had kind of knocking around and she would play them to us and we would knock them around as a team, should we say? For sure. hours and, and hours and hours. Hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, there'd be moments where you'd be like, mm, I'm not sure about that chord. Hmm. Can't we do something else there? Or that section goes on for too long. Or right. we should add two bars here. You know, there was a lot of that kind of thing going on and refining and building and refining, mm-hmm. right. I would say, which I think does contribute to the aesthetic of the songs on the record. And also the fact that they're so, they are very finely tuned works. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like the like anything that didn't need to be there was cut out and anything that did need to be there was sought out and put in and i think that they i think that's partly why they have stood the test of time because mm-hmm. they were we worked really hard on them uh yeah. in order to to make something that was worthwhile really absolutely yeah no that makes sense uh kelly in terms of your impression of what kim uh, came in with versus what uh, the record ended up being. Can you characterize the distinctions the way I know Josephine just did to some extent, but was there, I guess where I'm coming from is, was there anything that Kim brought in where it was like, that's, that's good. We're good. Let's just, we'll add to that. Or was a lot of it like the kind of modification, I suppose, and refinement that uh, Josephine's describing. Can you recall that? Well, for, for my experience in, living and working with Kim for ever, literally, mm-hmm. that, you know, Kim is an awesome vocalist. I mean, her voice is so unique. Her guitar playing is amazing. But what she actually is, is a songwriter. Yeah. So she writes songs and has written songs forever. And so just because she's in the Pixies or not in the Pixies or after Pod and before Safari and after Safari and before Last Splash, she's writing. Yeah. She's always writing. And she maybe they maybe it is riffs. Maybe it's like I've got this one part that's really cool and I want to do something with it. So those things come to us. And it's really interesting to me because when we uncover these um, demos that we did, and these B-sides, there was a recently I looked at a B-side called Grunge. Mm-hmm. Um, as we were thinking about B-sides to do for this last splash thing, should we do Freed Pig? Should we do Shocker and Gloomtown? These other B-sides. One of them was that song Grunge. Have you heard that recently, Josephine? No, not recently. It's so interesting to see the where that song came, where Cannibal came from. Mm-hmm. And we would, yeah. we would, and it had, nowhere it says Cannibal, I don't think. It doesn't say cannibal anywhere in there. It no. says grunge, you know, but there, yeah. and you can hear little bits of melody and you can start to hear the arrangement coming through. Um, but we demoed that and then we worked some more on it. So it's, it's, yeah, that's how they, they come out just from, you know, good ideas, you know, good riffs. And then just if they were and thrashing them out, lots of rehearsals, yeah. lots of. Of work in the basement, you know, pulling a song out of out of ideas, pulling, getting a song together. Yeah, I'm so happy that you invoked uh, your sister's uh, knack for hooks. As we were listening to Last Splash this morning with my family and my wife and I, 
she was like, we were That's listening nice. to Cannonball. Oh, we, yeah, sorry. It's a tradition here. We make, I make breakfast and then Papa listens to the record that he's got to talk to someone oh, about. Oh, neat. And yeah, no, it's actually, I actually am not to go on a tangent. I'm curious no, about it's what great. it's going to mean for my, my kids. Cause we just, we cycle through records so quickly. Cause I have to prepare. Yeah. And, uh, my re- my research is, I got to do the dishes. I might as well listen to the new breed, like the breeders reissue or whatever. Yeah. And so they go, what's this? And they like what they like. And, and it's, it's really fun. Mm. I, sorry. My kids are 12 and eight. So I still have them. They yeah. That's awesome. They're not, I love it. They're not quite, they're not quite rebelling. Anyway, yeah. we were listening to the album today and Cannonball came on and my wife who grew up in the same era as, as me and, and, and loves your band was just homing in on the lyrics. Uh, you know, uh, I know you little libertine. I know you're a real cuckoo and, uh, I'll be whatever you want. Uh, the bong in your reggae song. And, and she goes, uh, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and I go, yeah, no, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really make a lot of coherent sense, but somehow it's amazing. It's perfect. It couldn't yeah. be better. It's fun with words. And I, I, I ask about the hooks thing there because I wonder, uh, Kelly, can you give us some insight? Uh, maybe it's about your upbringing. I don't know if your parents played a role in this. Um, the music you two were surround, you too, Kelly, you both have this knack for hooks and it's unbelievable. It doesn't even matter what you're saying half the time. It's just the phrasing and the melodies are so perfect. Uh, I don't mean to gush, but I'm excited to have you on my show. I just want to say that oh, well, real quick. You. My point Thanks. though is, uh, can you give us some insight as to where maybe if you think on it growing up, where, what kind of music were you exposed to and where do these hooks kind of maybe come from? Um, gosh, uh, I don't know. For me, <laughs> I, I can't speak to, I mean, I can speak tangentially to Kim because we did grow up in the same household with the same kind of music, you know, you know, in the car and in the stores and on the radio, you know, that's kind of how, what you, what you listen to. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's a really good question. You know what? I don't, it's hard has to no one, know. Has no one asked you that before? Well, no, not, not like that. Not in grand terms, more like song wise. Like what's that song mean? But not oh, in like, oh. you know, where does one learn how, you know, <laughs> I, I'm going to say it like this. You, you, you pretty much for me at least. And I think for Kim too, just knowing and Josephine will probably agree with this. Anything that you can sing in front of somebody else and not feel embarrassed about, or also that when you sing it, you feel cool. Yeah. That is the kind of the standard is like, mm. so, you know, you always have like an inspiration of like a, a feeling or whatever, an event or a person or whatever. And that makes you maybe sit down to write or makes you think of a song. Yeah. But I know that I think that uh, at least from what I know about Kim's process which I was actually quite surprised one time when I was, because uh, I always just thought they all came to her. Hmm. And I would, and then, you know, as I discovered, you know, soon thereafter, seeing just pages and pages of like riffs on one song. I remember the pages from Pod, you know, uh, these rhyming schemes of like what could go there instead of, I thought it was just inspirational. Yeah. That it was came to her. Right. No, there's a whole thing yeah. of, you know, these rhyming. So it's work. Her lyrics are cool because she works at them, you know? 
Well, and what, what we were just get- interesting. Yeah, what we were getting to, I think, in a roundabout way, my wife and I this morning, is that there's this beautiful blend of abstraction and intent. Um, Ooh, like that's could- nice. Yeah, I, I made it academic. I'm sorry, but the, the, yeah, does I feel, love it. <laughs> it does feel like the language is fun. Like it's clearly, and this was maybe something of the time as well. What was going on in the air back then? Which is that you can have, there's no rules, right? You can just have fun with words. It'll be fine. But the way they're actually put together, in your case in particular, is what sticks with you. Like you find, as a kid, I'm, I'm looking back at myself and the things I used to sing along to or sing to myself, if you actually wrote them down and looked at them, you'd like, that doesn't make right any real sense, well, I, right? And that's a part just of- Just even like the, yeah. you know, you're a real cuckoo. That whole thing came from Frank Sinatra. You know, right. you know, that cuckoo, Yeah. you know, yeah. but and here he's a <laughs> master, like a, you know, of a song yeah. and whatever. And he's, what is that cuckoo? What? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's scatting and style and, and that's part of it too, right? It's not just the substance, it's the style of it. And I think that's what we're maybe landing on. Josephine, do you have a perspective on Kim's proficiency, I suppose, or... You know, just how magical she can be with riffs and, and turning seemingly nothing into something. You know, Kelly was alluding to Grunge and it just having nothing. And then she put that together. Do you have any perspective on Kim's process and, and working with her? I I guess the thing that I admire about her is that she does work really hard. Hmm. And she makes us work really hard. And she doesn't just settle at least my experience of working with her, I can't speak to other stuff that she does. She's always striving to make make things better and more interesting, Mm -hmm. which really, I I really, uh, I feel, I kind of feel the same way about that. That's my aesthetic as well, is that I like to make things more interesting. If I'm writing something, I don't like to use the same word twice, if you know what I mean. Sure. I like to... Not exactly make people work, but yes, make people work a little harder. (laughs) There's a a running joke in the band recently when we've been doing writing and stuff like that. Josephine has banished the C, the C, from our writing. (laughs) And it's really, it's not really true, but it actually is true. They're just, we have fights about C's. That doesn't you mean, mean give a, me a C. Nobody needs to key. hear a C again. Okay, the key of C. Key, you don't mean no. the ocean. You're not. You're not like we're not writing about the ocean anymore. I'm not sick necessarily of it. the key of C. We can do the oh, key yeah. of, but never play the C. Okay. The other just, thing that just, I think is interesting is a song. And Josephine mentioned this once, and I was like, "Oh my god, I never noticed that." She'll say because she's a classic. You know, she actually learned music. You know. Uh, she mentioned, she just go, you know, I don't, she'll listen back to pod and go, oh my God, this song starts in a, in a, you know, D and it changes into an entirely different scale, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Or something, right? Joe, that you said that? I can't, I can't Was remember. it Do or was it O? One of those two songs you were like, oh my God. Or is it Glorious? It's definitely not Do. It's definitely not Do. Glorious. But you see... One of the, yeah, one of the things that I like. The key changes. In, in classical terms, my favorite form is the string quartet. And there are some, there's some parallels between 
a rock band, you know, the four a four piece in a rock band, yeah, and a string quartet. And I'm always interested in everybody having something interesting that they're doing. You know, it makes it more three dimensional or four dimensional, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, rather than just everybody just ploughing along in their furrow, I, I think it's more interesting when you know they, there'll be a moment where the drums are what catches your ear. Yeah. And then and then there's obviously the moments when the lead guitar catches your ear or there'll be some little thing that Kim does on the guitar that catches your ear. Yeah. Or of course the bass that I do. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of, course. of course. The, the paramount moment of any song. Your bass playing <laughs> and, your bass playing um, is really remarkable if I might say. It really thanks. gives everything character. Yeah. Yeah. It does. So, so I think I'm more. Uh, that's always in my mind the parallel with the string quartet, where you know every everything has its own role, but there's a way of there's a way of um, arranging things that gives it a complexity that sometimes when you have the same thing where it's just two guitars, bass guitar and drums. They're they're all just kind of ploughing ahead. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's more refined somehow. Yeah. Um, I, I I can see that, and I feel like we're we're getting to the point where we're talking about the that magical moments when a song coheres, when a band is yes, working well yeah, together. That's right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I know from my own experience that those moments, in, uh, when a song is uh, uh, in in process or developing. Um, sometimes the first magical moments are band practice when you're working it out. You're like, Oh, okay. What was that? Let's, yeah. let's do that again for the next eight hours. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> then, then sometimes when you're on stage, the song again surprises you. Oh shit. I didn't. Well, that, yeah. You see, that's very true. And in actual fact, a friend of mine, Kate Schellenbach said a few months ago, she texted me saying that she was, playing in a cover band and that the other members of the band wanted to play Cannonball. Yeah. They wanted to cover Cannonball and they started rehearsing it and they were like, oh my God, this song is so hard to play. Yeah. And a lot of the songs are, even though they seem effortless and simple, they're actually to get them, to get them right and to achieve those kind of, those moments where it kind of gels. Yeah. It it doesn't happen every time we play them, and which means that when it does happen, we come off stage and we're like, oh, you know, whatever song yeah. it is, that sounded really good tonight. Yeah. That you know, that was like the best we've played it. You know, and I think that's why they're still so fun to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's people true. ask us, don't you ever get bored with playing Cannonball? And we're like, no, actually, we don't. And it's because of that. It's because. It's so finely balanced, the whole thing of whether whether we do it well or whether it's just okay. Or, or that it, it could go off the, the rails altogether. Or it could, go, it could be a disaster. That, that, that is the yeah. exciting part of that particular... I can't think of too many pop songs that are as dynamic yeah. as that song. And, and just a brief aside, for my sister's 30th birthday, my sister Anita loves the Breeders, loves the Amps, loves Kim Deal, loves you guys... For her thirtieth birthday, we my 
my band put together uh, some songs that she would like by the Beastie Boys and whoever else, but we learned Cannonball. So I was playing Jim's parts on the drums and man, not easy somehow. It seems, <laughs> it seems easy, but it's not. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just want to attest that. Where I was going though, there is, um, yeah. So we've talked about the practice space. We've talked about, uh, the stage. Uh, this is a monumental record. Uh, and, and we all agree now. Everyone on this call agrees. <laughs> Monumental album. Last splash. Unbelievable. I'm just kidding. No, everyone views it as this landmark thing. Where I was coming from is in the recording process or at any point in the, in the process of getting these songs down. Do you recall feeling like you were onto something magical? Do you remember any moments where you're like, uh oh, I think we're, this is going to be something like, uh, Kelly, can we, let's go to you, whether it was the studio or wherever else. Well, you have to, did you, was there- you have to remember in the studio, you know, yes, we did, you know, a song like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, we also were doing songs like Mad Lucas and Raw yeah. that, yeah. that has a Moog solo. Yeah. And it's, and Mad Lucas, which is a dirge in like six, eight. And like, mm-hmm. so my, so my conceptually, my idea of the record was of the whole record, not just the pop, the fun bits and stuff like that. So as yeah. on the whole, I knew I liked it. I knew I liked it, but remember before, before we went into the studio, right? There was a very interesting period of time that what I liked was on the college chart and that's it. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. maybe 120 minutes, stuff that yeah. I liked was very not mainstream. It was off the, the M- charts. The MT- for those for those who may not remember, oh, that yes. was an MTV show. It right? was an MTV yeah, show yeah. happened on Sunday nights, <laughs> and it was like an hour, yeah. I think, and it showed videos of like two. I think it was two, two hours. hours. I think that the name of the show suggests that it might have been two hours. Uh, yeah, but I'm, Cana- I'm Canadian. I'm Canadian. We didn't have MTV. We had much music, so I don't know. I might be wrong. So, Maybe it was 90 minutes. Maybe 120 minutes was 90 minutes long. I can't remember. So, if you two are done, so. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. So, the, um, the music that I liked and listened to, that was not being played on mainstream radio. Um, it no. was Guns N' Roses. It was like, uh, Janet Jackson or whatever. That mm-hmm. was mainstream radio. So, um, did, did I think we had stumbled onto something? Yeah, for my aesthetic. But did I think yeah. it was going to be, you know, that not only this record, but a whole host of other music was going to come into the mainstream. No, I had no concept of that. Right. But what's just interesting, because this is post Pixies. It's certainly post Nirvana's explosion. Um, something was changing, right? No, it wasn't. After, yes. It wasn't. Was it after Nirvana's explosion? Mm, I think it was concur- kind of concurrent. Yeah, with it was, it. yeah, that. But just no one, hardly anyone knew of the Pixies. No, God no. Yeah, the Pixies we, were not a no. big thing. R-E-M? We have a joke. I mean, maybe they were no. in Europe. They were big. I think they, they were, were bigger, bigger in Europe. Europe than they were here. Kim and I have a joke about that. We we have a joke about that. That and she says, you know, when Pixies were doing their reunion tour, she said if everybody that had come up to her and said, "Oh yeah, I saw you in blah blah," if that if all those people had actually seen them, they would have been a, they would have been a huge band. Yeah. yeah they yeah, weren't, yeah. they weren't a huge band. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a, you know, anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say the only other potential band of 
that sort of emerged and and maybe was in the mainstream was uh, of this ilk i suppose was probably rem is that a fair yeah they they i would say they they had crossed from college radio to yeah. being mainstream yeah, yeah. this is really? after green yeah this is after yeah. green and and uh, out of time with losing my religion and shiny happy people well, and yeah yeah that was what that's what did it losing my religion yeah that's yeah, a huge probably, hit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, we don't have to muddle on uh, muddle on this. I guess I'm just. Yeah, it's interesting. You're, well, you're saying it did. It felt magical to you from your aesthetic. Yeah. But it didn't feel like we're going to change. No. The music. It really did. No, it really. If yeah. you think about the first the first record pod, it was like it was on this little UK label, the kind of boutiquey label. I don't know how many copies it sold it sold a few thousand copies it it got you know critic it got critical acclaim but it didn't it didn't sell a, we didn't we never toured it mm-hmm. we played two shows in london immediately after recording it and that was it so as far as we were concerned you know we we're on this tiny british label who were giving us the money to go into a studio in san francisco to make a record yeah you know and and that was, I don't, you know, we, oh, we're going to put a record out. <laughs> you know, it's not like, it's not like there was a, you know, giant marketing campaign or ex, there were no expectations for this record. No, mm-hmm. there were no expectations yeah. for it. There's at least three amazing s- singles from this record, if you ask me. Uh, all of them are amazing. Um, but of course, Cannonball takes off. So we, we, we're establishing that in hindsight, um, this has been a monumental record, and it is now. There's no doubt about it. However, it comes out. Let's just go to this period. It's released. Cannonball takes off, among other uh, singles. What's that like? Do you feel a shift? Josephine, you were just describing the reaction to Pod. I assume it was a marked difference when Last Splash came out, and all of a sudden there was probably more press demands, these kinds of things. Did you notice a difference? Though, let's think about this. Yes, we did. We did tons more press for yeah. um, for Last Splash. Yeah, was it over? Did it feel overwhelming? Or were you like, "What the hell is happening"? Uh, no, it didn't feel overwhelming because it didn't happen. It it didn't happen like one day it wasn't happening and the next day it was happening. It 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 kind of ramped up in a way that it wasn't overnight. Yeah. Okay. So, Kelly, yeah. what did you say? Well, it, the the big thing with Cannonball, I think, that made such a difference was a video. And that, yeah. at that something happened yeah. where MTV, yeah. that 120 minutes, kind of started doing videos, losing my religion and these other these other bands, and the amazing video that Kim Gordon and Spike Jones did for us. That was a big thing that propelled, I think, hand in hand with how yeah. awesome and fun the song was, but also the, uh, the, the music video. And, um, I, we were on MTV quite a lot. That, yeah. that, that was played quite a lot. And I think that made a big difference. I do remember that I've, I've mentioned this before. I do remember we went to, I don't know if you have the Olive Garden there. Of course we do. Yeah. Ah, we have oh, a sorry. I, I, I said that with a modicum of pride. Yes. We have the <laughs> fake Italian restaurant chain, the Olive Garden in Canada. Yes, yes. So, I mean, it seems obscure to me. I don't know why you would have it. I mean, but anyway, you got one. We have 
Good Kelly, for you, you guys. You, you have been to Canada. We we're basically we're America's hat. You have LBD Tim Hortons, and that's all I see. No, Tim Hortons, have- Tim Hortons, <laughs> Tim Hortons, Tim Hortons. Forget it. We have Don't we even. have everything. We have all the same things as you. There's okay. a, I moved to Edmonton, and there's Denny's here. We didn't have those in Ontario, where I'm from. So I'm just saying we're I'm we're very Amer. I don't know. You're don't more Canadian, that. and we're more American. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. God, I wish we were more Canadian. Okay, listen. We had an Olive Garden sorry. here, and um, our family, my mom and dad, and I, and my sister, and I don't know, maybe somebody else was with us or whatever. We went in to eat, and we were getting ready to be sat. And I remember this moment. Oh, you see your table. We were escorted to the table. And as we walked in to our table, there was murmuring. Huh. Murmuring. Yeah. And then applause started. There was a round of applause. Wow. From the Olive Garden. <laughs> we, we were, as we call it, we, we were recognized. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear what I said? I heard recognize. I use that. Yes. I get, you I get recognized. Yeah. You, I get, we got, we have recognized in Canada. Yeah. All right. All right. So you got, you got Olive Garden and recognized. We have yeah. recognition. Yeah. I, I've been recognized. Rocking, I don't know if I like it actually. I'm what like, band oh, were hey. you, what band were you well, in? That you I'm more known for, I'm more known as a broadcaster, but I have been in. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm, I'm known right. as like, I used to work for the big company and I have this show that's, as we're speaking, I just had my 800th episode. So, which is oh, odd. It's an audio. Thank you so much. But it's an audio format. But because of the internet, people seem to know who I am. Oh, and, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah. My, anyway. All right. So it was fairly organic at the time. I appreciate all this. I had asked in the interest of time, I want to ask you about SOS. I brought it up earlier. Uh, I didn't know this story. It's in the biographical notes. Kelly, I'm going to get you to ask it or tell it in a second. But I will say quickly, when I first heard SOS, even as a teenager, I thought, oh, this kind of reminds me of the Stooges. And now I realize that maybe it should have reminded me of Stitches. That's my joke. And I worked on that for two minutes today. Can you tell us a little <laughs> oh bit about, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about, I was driving home from dropping my wife off at work. I'm like, Oh, I got a good joke. Sorry. Anyway, my point is, uh, 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 yeah. Can you tell us about the sewing machine and SOS? It's a fascinating story. Well, one thing that I do know from, I learned very early on from being the lead guitar position is that <laughs> is, <laughs> when it comes to recording, you sit around a lot because yes. everybody else gets to play and have moments and discuss and think. And you're just sitting there waiting for my time to shine. So what I learned is I love to sew. I was working on a quilt. So I thought yep. I'll bring my sewing machine across the country in the equipment van and I'll work <laughs> on my so my quilt that I was working on. So yep. I'm up there working on it. Kim is doing something. She walks past me, stops, turns around, walks back and goes, Huh. And I'm just like, yes. And she was, we, we need to record that. So, um, that's how that happened. So we okay. put it through a Marshall, mic'd it up, put it through a Marshall. And that's the first song, sound that you hear before SOS, the song. It's a, um, zigzag stitch. Zigzag just, stitch, which gives it a kind of Morris code. Feeling? No, the zig, oh. that's just zigzag stitch because it makes it move more. Oh, yes, that's oh, right. Oh. Yeah. More of a okay. train track sound. The Morse yeah. code is in reference to the lead that I play. Right. Which okay. is, yeah, dot, 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 ba, dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, dot, dot. That's SOS in Morse code. 
Did you need help making the quilt, if I may tie these things together, stitch them together, if I may? Oh, my God. It's so funny that you – I don't get often get the chance to talk about what happened to the quilt. Well, yeah, I want to know you. about the quilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, at that period of time, I was piecing the top together, okay? And that is great. I don't think I was doing – putting in the batting and finishing the back and, and, mm-hmm. and making the entire quilt at that time. I think I was just piecing the top. And I drug that around with me for years and years through moves and and other, you know, sewing opportunities. And it it lay neglected for a while, uh, while I was touring and busy doing stuff. And I ended up get finally getting back to it. And um, I finished it up and ended up quilting it, hand nice. quilting. Yeah. The, and my mother helped me. Oh, that's lovely. With that, yeah, with that hand quilting, yeah. So my SOS joke was meant to be a joke, but you did have help. You had assistance. Yes, that's right. Making the quilt. I will yes. say I, I read this uh, biographical info to my wife, and she's like, can you send me that? I want to send it to my virtual quilting club because she oh thought it was God. so amazing. Uh, <laughs> I should send her this. Um, there's a beautiful picture I have of the quilt, the finished quilt. It's gorgeous. Oh, please, please do if you can. I, okay. I, my I'll wife would down. be thrilled. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. All right. Well, okay. I appreciate this conversation. The one thing we didn't get to, which is uh, this often happens when we unearth an old record, suddenly uh, forgotten songs emerge. Josephine, I believe there are two songs uh, on this edition of Last Splash uh, that uh, were discovered. One is Go Man Go, which I see here Kim Deal co-wrote with uh, Black Francis, her partner there in the Pixies. And then a different version of Divine Hammer with lead vocals by Jay Mascus, which here is called (laughs) Divine Mascus. Sorry, every time I see that, I laugh. Josephine, do you have any recall of these two pieces? I had completely forgotten about both of them. And then when the tapes reemerged and there was talk of releasing them, that was the first time that I had heard them since we recorded them. Wow. Yeah. For those who don't uh, maybe get it, obviously the passage of time is a contributing factor. But what does it mean for a musician to make so much music that they're when they're sort of confronted or presented with something that they were on, they have no recall of it. I mean, what is that like for you to be like, oh, my Lord, I don't remember this at all. And I'm definitely that's me. What's that kind of like viscerally for you? It's happened quite often, doesn't it, Kelly? <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, when we when we were like when we were bringing up Flipside to rehearse that because we haven't played it for 10 years. And I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I ever played it this fast. Right. And then all these clips of film reemerged that you can find on YouTube that were recorded that we didn't know were, you know, clips of film from some Belgian Belgian festival where we're playing that live. And it is blindingly fast. And we just watch it with our... Jaws dropping because we're like, oh my god, how did we ever play it that fast? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, well, it's it's a nice, you know. Earlier we were talking about um, how uh, things are captured so often now. Uh, it's mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, it's a nice thing. I would hope I would hope it's a nice thing generally to 
discover even something that was sort of um, not included on a record. It's it must be nice yeah. to be like, oh yeah, those were fun. I remember. Yeah, in fact, we're yeah. we're actually in the position of wishing that there was more. Right. We wish that there were more things that we had done that had been lost yeah. and found. Yeah. But we're we're actually a band who just about anything we recorded, we put out. We don't have a huge right. archive of stuff. Right. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that when we were talking about the writing process. Is that one thing I do notice is that Josephine also brings stuff to the band, and nobody brings clunkers. Yeah. Nobody brings something like, "Oh, check this out." <laughs> I got this three chord moment. You know, it's always something that has merit to it. Yeah. And that's harder. They don't come around that often. Yeah. So that, I think that's part of the reason why we don't have lots of bits and pieces laying around. Right. Is because yeah. we only work on stuff that has, there's potential for drama and exploration and, cre- you know, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Kelly, do you have any, re- I appreciate that insight on, on this. And if you have anything further to say about the two songs, please feel free. But in particular, can you give us any insight about Jay Maskus's inclusion uh, or r- rather oh. him doing a vocal take basically on, on Divine Hammer? What was that about? Yeah, that, that was super fun. You know, when we were working on a couple of the tracks, I think it was Divine Hammer and also Do You Love Me Now? We, you know, this is in the earlier stages of like different stages of writing and demoing the song. And for Divine Hammer, it did not sound anything at all like it sounds on the record. We got it right. Like it was a, it's a perfect pop confection. Absolutely. The way it is now. Yeah. yeah. But to get there, we were just like, what, what is it missing? What does it need? Let's, you know, what if, let's have, you know, who's a, who's a rad guitarist? We'll send them the two inch tape. Oh. Of that track, because back then you had to do that. You couldn't send yeah. a digital file. Yeah. So we sent him the two-inch track for that song, and expecting him to come up, we was gonna, he was gonna lay down a, an amazing solo. He's he's gonna. He just was going to up. shred. He was yeah. going to shred. shred. Sure. Do something yes. interesting. Maybe we wouldn't use all of it. Maybe it would help us just to break the song loose or whatever. And what we got back as we pressed play on that. Is his vocal. <laughs> it's lovely. And yeah. we were very, very surprised. Yeah. Once we were over the shock of where the fuck is a guitar? Sorry, you can't cuss. Um, but no, you, where was we, a guitar? You can cuss. We have cussing in Canada. It's okay. Oh, you can cuss. <laughs> okay. yeah. Then you were able to go, oh my gosh, listen to how, you know, charming and and so adorable and cute his vocal is on and just the way he is idiosyncratic way yeah. he sings. Yeah. And it's so, it's, it's just really charming. Uh, and so although we ended up not using that as we, the pop confection, that is a masterpiece, mm-hmm. but I for, I also forgot about that. Did, did you guys remember that moment? Yeah. I knew he, well, I knew we had the, do you love me now? Junior. I knew he did that. Yeah. No, I because I'd even, forgotten, I'd even forgotten that there was a different version of Divine Hammer. Mm. Me, yeah, I forgot yeah, that we ever... I'd, I'd, yeah, yeah, exactly. Completely yeah. forgot. And, I'd, and I, I was like, it took me a while to understand why... I didn't understand why we were re, re... We had to go in specially to a studio to record the new version of Divine Hammer. Uh-huh. Which was then put onto the record. Yeah. Yeah. And for, and it took me a long time to kind of think, why I don't, I don't understand. Why we had to do that? 
Yeah. yeah, because Go Man Go got we pulled yes, that from the album. Right. Yeah, completely feeling uncomfortable about, about it. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot. Like that one version has that ah ah. Yeah, there's little vocals yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. What were we thinking? But it's <laughs> yeah. adorable. It's really cute when Jay is singing with it. You know, as us his little backup girls. Jay, Jay always, uh, you know, his delivery. Uh, I, I it moves me, but I always find it amusing. So today driving. Yes. Listening to a song I've known one way for 30 years and, and hearing Jay's version of it, um, this week for the first time, I laughed. Yeah. Like it just, it made me laugh. Yeah. Cause he's yeah. got I'm such a that. unique way of phrasing and delivery that I think he is being kind of funny. Yeah. And I, I don't, yeah. So I, I just want to say I really appreciate, uh, those inclusions. Uh, sorry if I missed them. I know there's lots of reissues and things like that. These have not, have they not been around before? Is no, that right? we've never yeah, released okay. either yeah. of these. Yeah. Yeah. So unbelievable. They were a surprise it's- to us as well as we, <laughs> as we went back. Well, well it's a, a, you know, I, I think I've gushed a, a lot today. It's such a remarkable album and I, I can't tell you what it means to me to get to speak with both of you about it. Um, is there anything that you want to, either of you, uh, I'll go to Josephine first, want to say, uh, about stuff we haven't covered or anything? I know you got shows coming up. Oh, yeah, we do have shows coming up. We yeah. we leave tomorrow to play at Riot Fest oh, yeah. in Chicago. And then we're doing a little East Coast jaunt. Yep. And then we're going to Texas and over to the West Coast. Nice. So it's like two months of nearly two months of shows. Great. So um, people can come out and see us play, perform, I'm going to say. They can come out and see us perform, uh, perform. Last Splash. In its entirety, yeah. yeah. In its yeah. entirety. So this is the original configuration, so to speak, of the Breeders, yeah. the Last Splash mm-hmm. configuration. Kelly, yeah. do you have an inkling yet? Sorry, the last time I saw the Breeders live, long time ago now, actually, Title TK, Lee's Palace in Toronto. Oh, fun. I remember that. Well, a few things I'll say about it real quick. One, uh, for some reason, maybe both of you, Kim and Kelly, would not stop saying, oi. And I, for months <laughs> later, could not stop. Oi. I couldn't stop. I just, I found it addictive. Secondly, uh, I remember other thing I remember is you guys played the theme song for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's right. That I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, really fond memories for me. But sorry, okay. this is the lineup. Do you think you might work together on new stuff? Ever. I I, ma- I imagine we will, you know. Yeah. I, I don't who's know to why say, we wouldn't. Yeah. Who's to say, probably. Josephine, yeah. would you like that? Would you like to try writing again? Yeah, I think it would be fun. Okay. Both committal and non-committal answers. I appreciate that. I don't know what else there is to say. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's great. Okay, so for more information about the breeders, uh, I don't know. Kelly, do you know where people should go? Do you use any of the things? Platforms? Uh, Josephine? Uh, you can go to, I think it's thebreedersmusic.com. Okay. And, and then we're on Twitter, uh, uh, the breeders, and we're also yeah. on Instagram, right? Yeah, and Facebook. And Facebook. Yeah, we're everywhere. Yeah. We don't have a yeah. TikTok. I think that maybe you should handle the, the TikTok breeders account. Me? You and your wife. Okay. And your wife. Okay. If you <laughs> send family. me. You should just do the breeders TikTok account. If you can send me yeah. all your quilting ephemera, that's the whole TikTok. We'll just post. <laughs> Quilting stuff, Perfect. and that'll be the thing. No, it's nice. All right, if, before we go, I want to go out. I want to ask you, rather, if we can go out on a song uh, from this uh, reissue. Uh, uh, obviously, some classic songs here. I wonder if one of you can pick 
the song, and I'll go to Josephine on this first. And Kelly, you have veto power. If you don't like the choice, you can say, uh-uh, no way. I want something else. Okay. And then we'll have a I like potentially that. mini debate. Uh, and then uh, beyond that, if you can also, uh, Josephine, tell us why uh, that song came to mind. Can you pick a song and tell us why uh, we should play it right now? Um, I'm going to pick Invisible Man. Originally, I was going to pick Hag. But I know that everyone only has a three-second attention span now. <laughs> so Invisible Man kicks in in a more compelling way for people who don't know how to wait for things. And I'm not going to pick Cannonball or Saint or Divine Hammer sure. because they get played all the time. Sure. So that's my choice. I'm a bit sad to hear that people only have a three-second attention span because we've been talking for an hour. So that's bad. <laughs> that's bad for my business. But thank you for that choice. Uh, Kelly, Invisible Man, what do you make of that uh, choice? I think it's a terrific one, and it's a super fun one to play live. It sounds perfect live. Okay. It's amazing. Let's hear it now from the anniversary edition of Last Splash, one of the greatest albums ever made by anyone ever. The band is the Breeders. <laughs> this is Invisible Man. Uh, Josephine, Kelly, this was such a – I can't really properly convey what an honor and thrill it was to get to, to speak with you. I hope you enjoyed yourselves and that we speak again sometime, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. I did. I enjoyed myself thoroughly. Thank you for having us, Fish. Behind the sky 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That was really fun. I may be, did I have too much fun? Did it seem like I was having too much fun? I had too much fun. Thank you so much to Josephine and Kelly from The Breeders for making time for me talk about their band and this last splash anniversary edition that meant a lot and it means a lot to me that all of you right now listening to me talk are listening to the the 806th episode of creative control which is part of the entertainment one podcast network and is available almost everywhere you get your podcasts if you can't find an episode that you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter please visit vishkana.com can like creative control on facebook uh, or follow the show on twitter at vish creative uh, or you can follow me on twitter and on instagram at vishkana i'm also on blue sky and tiktok and other things as well all the social media stuff if you see a photo of me it's likely me unless there is a i got whatever somebody's impersonating me on instagram and instagram won't take it down i've asked them several times they're just like hmm. No response, actually. They're not saying anything. It's weird. Anyway, it seems like me. You'll, you'll be able to tell. You'll be able to tell. Anyway, you can do those things on social media. You can also visit uh, the show's Patreon page, the Creative Control Patreon page, to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. $6 American or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. You get episodes earlier than everybody else. And uh, if you'd like a Creative Control t-shirt, Send me a note on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Just got a notification that the shirt I sent uh, has arrived in uh, Tennessee. So that is the miracle of the internet. Somebody listens to my show in Tennessee. They ask me for a t-shirt. I I, can make it so. I get it to them. So if you'd like a t-shirt, let me know. And again, thanks for supporting uh, this show on Patreon. That is the primary source of revenue uh, I get for making this uh, stuff. So if you enjoy it and want to keep it going, please, patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you so much. Thanks again to the wonderful Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about and order records from directly their website, blackbird.ca. And I also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to Jim Guthrie for lending me music for this podcast you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org and finally thank you so much again for listening to this episode with uh, Josephine and Kelly from the Breeders I hope you enjoyed it and uh, we'll check out this last splash 
edition, the 30th anniversary edition, and go see the breeders live if you can. And uh, thanks for subscribing to this podcast. And Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Telling your friends about it and spreading the word. It means a lot. And let's get Olivia Rodrigo on the show next. Why not? She, she seems to like the breeders. Maybe she'd like me. I don't know. I don't know why I'm talking about this. All right, I'll talk to you very soon. Bye for now.